Chaim's gonna ask. I have, like, I have like a list of like 40 questions. Oh boy. But uh, I guess the first one I gotta ask is that you're obviously a Hashem happily married a lot longer than you are. I wanted to know, um, I guess, to what degree what, what was your success? What, I, <laughs> what, what have you seen uh, uh, be really effective in maintaining your own background? Um, that's a good question. Not this usual type of question people ask me. Uh, I think, first of all, you know, every situation is unique. So you have to adapt to any idea. It's hard to give like an advice that's going to work for every couple, in my opinion. Because I think that from my experience of working with different couples, uh, you, uh, you know, everyone is different. So advice that works for one might not work for another. But for me, I think expectations are really important. Uh, what your expectations are are critical. If you have, if your expectations are out of sync with one another, that always leads to problems. So, being clear about what your expectations in the relationship are is uh, is super important. Like being open about your like being open about your needs. Being important, yeah. Being open and listening. You have to listen also to the other, and be. And I think that if you focus, uh, focus more on um, if. if one of the things that I learned, I actually really, I know a lot of people don't like this book, but I really like some of the book, some of the advice in Rabbi Arush's book. Rabbi I know Arush? a lot of people don't like it. Yeah. Arush? I, I, read, yeah. I, I read his uh, Garden of Muna. Yeah. I, he has a book called Garden of Peace. Some people really don't like it. I actually do like it, and I felt that it had a lot of insights in it. You don't have to be a breast love or whatever he is to, I'm not, I think he's breast love, right? Yeah. Yeah. To, to, uh, to gain from it. And I know a lot of people have gained from it, and I think there's a lot of insight. And one of the things that he says in there that I think is really valuable is that your wife is your mirror. Meaning if she's responding to you in a way that is unpleasant, it's really reflecting to you something about her response to your behavior and to look into yourself instead of criticizing the other, try to see how you might be the one who's you know, precipitating it. And um, it's, a, it's a nice metaphor as, you know, the, your, your spouse is your mirror. Um, and so if you, instead of complaining and criticizing, you, be, you say, I feel like my spouse complains and criticizes a lot. So in, if you change yourself into being more loving and giving, you'll see a different response from the other, even without having to say anything. Mm-hmm. That's one of the things he talks about. And I think there's a, really a lot of truth to that. Not... Not sitting in judgment of your spouse's behavior, uh, because that always leads to conflict. Like, you do this, and you always do that, and you always say this, but trying to come from the perspective of yourself. Um, Seeing what you might be doing, or what you could do better, uh, that can create a different tone in the relationship between you and the other person. And that way, without even trying to point anything out about what you might be unhappy with the other's behavior, you can elicit a different response. I think it's really, he talks about it quite a lot. And one of the things he says, he speaks about in that book, I haven't read it for many, many years, but he talks about how like, there are a lot of people out there who are amazing with everyone except their spouse. Hmm. And I'm sure you guys have found that too when I, you're I dealing like with Khatani. No, <laughs> I'm in dealing with couples and Khatani, I'm not saying you personally. And he, he talks about, like, in the, the beginning of the book, it's, like, a little bit funny. It's almost, like, amusing he, on purpose. Like, he talks about this great Talmud Chacham had a million students and followers and everything. And he comes up to Olam Haba, and his, Olam Haba is horrible. 
even though he was like this great Rebbe. It's really true. And it's like, because your, you, your wife was like miserable the whole, like you cared about everybody, but your relationship with your wife was like a disaster. And the person closest to you is really a mirror of who you really are, not the people that are outside. And uh, it, that's really the principle of his entire book. It's a worthwhile book to read. You might not agree with everything in it. You might find some of it is like not your speed, but I feel like the general approach of um, not sitting in judgment of the other person, but always trying to see what can I do to change the tone of the relationship. It's true even in relationships with other people, the truth is. Like, it's not just with the spouse. But you know, I find that to be really a great, um, a great way to keep the emotions in the house like in a, in a good place. Because I, I think a lot of conflict comes from blaming. Like, oh, you did this, and why did you do that, and you caused this. And you, whereas, you know, nobody ever wants to hear that, even if it's true. And it rarely generates any positive effect. Was it as a possible? I know the possible. You don't know. It's in Mishlei. I'm not good enough to remember it off. As water mirrors a face, the heart responds to another. Right. 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 That's what I Yeah, that sounds right, but I can't remember the exact language. But yeah, you're right. That's that's what that's what he's talking about. But it's a really good book, and he has a lot of good examples in there. And how a person should really try... The more you go out of your way to be basically a Baal Chesed... Like, we'll be a Baal Chesed to everyone, except their chef. Except my kids. Right, or their kids, right? They're Baal Chesed to everyone, but they neglect the one who's right there. And if, if, they, if they think about the other person, how can I do more Chesed for them? Then without having to say anything, their response change, from the person changes. If you think about it, if you've ever had a dispute with anybody or like you've been on the outs with them, and you just extend yourself, and you do a chesed for them, like out of nowhere, completely changes the thing. Yeah, or compliments. Yeah, anything positive, anything nice. Like, I've seen it happen a million times. I've had people that like, I think perceived me that I didn't like them or something like that, and I would just open up a conversation and say positive things, and compliment them, offer, yeah. invite them, something, anything. You can really make a difference just by, no, by being your wife, like the in, in, in midst of a of a dis- disagreement, if you would compliment, so you know, I really like the end of the agreement. You didn't even raise your voice. That was so nice. Everything was nice. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, it, it makes a big difference. It's good advice. And you might want to read that book. I read it in English and in Hebrew because I had the Hebrew copy in one office and an English copy in another. You read both. So whenever I was, when, yeah, I read it two times. <laughs> Whenever I was in one place, I'd read the Hebrew, and then when I was in the English, I'd think the Hebrew was better. It's originally Hebrew. Yeah, he has a really good. Uh, he has a really good. It's very simple. Like, like anybody could he, read he, it. He's, he's, he's a very simple man. Uh, I'm, I'm, not, I'm, not saying, I'm not saying that in a negative way. It doesn't have the same flavor. Lately, every Brody is on trend. He speaks with a lot of love, so it's like he's a very simple man. You have to watch his. He's a meaningful minute podcast. It, it's, it's really a, it's a really, nice book. I mean, really like I said, if you have like an automatic aversion to like anything Hasidic or anything like slightly Kabbalistic or whatever, he does have like some things in there, but it's not mainly about that. It's really mainly about Shlombay. It's, it's very good. He also says like all person will like upset their wife. They want to go to Minyan. They want to do it. And he said like in every case where there's a conflict between Halakha and, and Shlombay, there's always a solution. You know, yeah, there's always, you know, like he has like uh, a very 
Uh, very good advice. I, I recommend reading it just for every married person. I used to, I used to give it to Chatanim. Really? I'm like, look, I'm not Breslov, but I really think this book can help you. <laughs> and, and I heard some people tell me it saved their marriage. Really? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. And it wasn't a Breslov, it was an Iraqi book. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. Any, any other? Any I I, but like, I'm gonna, I have a rare, I have a rare, like, kid situation, because like, I grew up with my wife, basically. I know her since I was a kid. I, I cried, when you were talking about your wife at the, at the bar mitzvah, I was crying, I was just crying. I was, I was like, I was like a bystander, I was, I was crying so much. <laughs> I remember my wife was like, in front of he was like, he was really bawling about it, like when he was talking about his wife. Also, in Thomas bar mitzvah. So incredible. Yeah, I, well. I told him. Uh, she was. Oh, like, was like, that was, was a long time. It was yeah. so beautiful. It was really so beautiful to watch. It was like so beautiful. Yeah, it's. Um, I, I think Dave just said that in transcripts of it. Probably. Yeah. On Facebook, yeah. And he, uh, yeah. yeah. Video on transcripts, both of it, right? Probably. Yeah, you have to speak more. You speak so eloquently. Maybe you got, I, uh, let, me, let me think, uh, let me get my list out. <laughs> mm-hmm. out, of the, out of all the Hasidish rabbis, which ones do you like the most? Which one do you think is the most stimulating to you? Hasidish rabbis of today? The ones, that, the books that you read every book, so the, the, the books that you read. Like, what do you think of the Balatanya? What do you think? He's very oh, I have a good question. I, I read I've never heard of an Ish Kodesh. I, I haven't read all of them. Um, is that the Kodesh? Yeah, that's the... No, Kodesh Tamidim. Who's that? Kodesh Kalman Shabir. Oh, yeah, I know. Okay. I, don't, I, realize, I, don't realize always, I don't always realize when they're Kodesh Tamidim. I don't know. No, I, I, I like some Chabad stuff because it's yeah. very intellectual. Like, I really, really like the Rebbe's Perushima Nashi. They're really good. Excellent. Like, he's known for that. You can find it in library. They haven't did. Yeah. Very good. His questions are such good. Questions I, love, I love his questions more than answers, but yes. yes. Sometimes the answers are also good. Yeah. Sometimes the answers are also good. I like his, I like his it's questions. Not that, it's not to judge his answers good or bad. I think it's that sometimes the questions are always good. Sometimes the answers come from a framework that doesn't resonate with me so much because it's not my framework. He's coming from a different framework. Right. But, like, the questions are always very sharp. And a lot of times, I find the answers to be very good too. Yeah. I wouldn't. I wouldn't say the answers are not always good. No, I'm, I'm not saying they're bad. Yeah. I think like the question is stronger than the answer. The Balatani is very interesting. You know, he's he's also like uh, a very interesting read. Um, I read what said is uh, when you asked him what's his favorite book. What do you think of Balatani? No, I'm talking about Balatani. Yeah, yeah. Like, his his premise is about. Uh, Anna Rava, Like, he, he, you really think Rabbah thought he was a Benoni? Like, he thought he wasn't righteous if he didn't look, 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 look,
Um, right, so he's not the Rambam. Right. And it's a Musalba. <laughs> the premise of the book is that, and then he builds the whole theory off of that. What in particular are you thinking of? Like, therefore, like, what? therefore what is it, Sadiq Bittolgo? What is it, Sadiq Rallo? All of it is based on Rabba being in the middle. Right. So therefore, the scale changes. It changes everything, of course. Man. Look, that's the nature of Drush. Can I tell you? His main... The main thesis, of, I understood of the book, of the Sefer, was basically talking about that our function is to be bane. Like, our, our purpose, our Kathleen is to be bane. It's not it's to be people who struggle and... And persevere. That's the Nefesh Bahami and the whole Exactly. And, and we're not people who are born and God-given uh, tzaddikim. That, that, that's what God expects of us, to be people who, struggle, people who work hard and struggle and, and overcome our impulses mm-hmm. and overcome our... I feel like it's a way of making it seem, you know, being great, more accessible. Exactly. But, you that's, know, that's why it's called a Sefer. Yeah, it's like an instant. Right, it's, it's called a Sefer Benonim. And then they call um, the Noam Elimelech Sefer Shel Tzaddikim. Uh-huh. And then? they call it Nachman, the Sefer Shel Rishayim. You get it? Really? <laughs> we were trying to say not Sefer Shel Rishayim. Actually, we were trying, I like her. Yeah. Meaning, the point, the point we were trying to say was that, the, the joke is that, meaning Rav Nachman was able to, to show how there could never ever despair. And even to the most far-flung person, um, there's always hope. I mean, that's what, that's what he means when right. he says Sefer Shel Rishayim. You know, not that God forbid it. I remember... No, I, I, I think um, I like, some of Rabbi Nachman's things are also interesting. Some of his people, Rabbi Nachman, are good. I, I, I also find, you know, I feel like everybody has something to offer. I'm not Hasidic, but I like the Kutzker Rebbe and like uh, Rav, uh, what's his name, Simcha Bunim. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're really interesting. They were like really intellectual Hasidim. So they had like uh, very, very insightful Torah that came from those schools. So I have a question on that. I can't say I have a favorite. I don't know. What advice would you give to somebody who wants to read more critically? To be able to... Read more critically what? Meaning be able to read a, a Bristol book and to extract good ideas from it without throwing out the good messages with the, with the bed. The baby with the bathwater? It's not real. In this case, it'd be like a bubble with the bathwater. Wait, so you're saying... How I can you read... And what's the alternative? To read something without any advice on reading without any kind of filter. To read anything, or to speak to anybody, and to extract the good, and to discard the bad. Any intelligent ideas to to accept them regardless of the source. How to do that? Yeah, just. Well, you know, you come to a reading an author that you know is operating with different premises than you are. Right. And, and the flip question, meaning if your pre- preconceived notion is this is a, you know... A, so you no, no, oh, right. yeah, meaning right. it's coming from a person of Chochmah to be able to still be able to critically evaluate everything. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so um, when, when you deal with the first case where like, you know, the person is... Like I was saying about the Lulavich Rebbe, I think it's true here too. When you approach a book, you say to yourself, look, this person's coming from a different... Um, from a different framework than I am. So insofar as the... T- so my, my approach is like this. I, oh, I had different rabbis growing up. And different rab- I would ask different questions to different rabbis. Not because I wanted a certain answer. But because I said, look, 
This person I share a certain aspect of, uh, you know, common assumptions with about halacha. This one I share certain common assumptions about hashkafa. This one I... So when you're dealing with someone who has different assumptions, then you have to ask yourself, what can I gain from the book? So Rabbi Nachman has, metaphysically has totally different assumptions than a Rambam. But he might have ethical or moral or psychological insight because he's dealing with human nature. So when I approach this book, I say to myself, okay... What's he saying about human nature? And uh, like, let's say, for example, the story about, you know, it's a, I've actually told the story. I didn't even realize it was in Rabbi Nachman. And then I was reading Rabbi Nachman's book, Don't Ask Why. Um, and I saw the story in there, okay? Um, and the story was the story of the Goy who goes to like, uh, sees the Jewish beggar. Is this in Sipur Masyun? Yeah, it's one of them. I forget which one. Don't, don't ever ask me pages and numbers. Out, you know. But uh, the... the the, uh, he goes with the, uh, he asked the Jew, like, oh, you know, I, I, I need, I want to eat well somewhere. You know, you Jewish beggars, you always get the best uh, hospitality, you go to Jeff's <laughs> yeah. yeah, so he, so he said, he said, uh, oh, you know, Pesach's coming up, so just don't go to the shul, hang around, and uh, somebody will invite you for Pesach, you'll have the most amazing dinner of your life, okay? Right, oh, you know the story. You know the story? I you know all of them? Oh, okay. So you know the story. Oh. So, so, so he, you know this one? Oh, okay. So, so he does it. He goes to the shul. Somebody invites him over. They sit down. The first thing, you know, Kadesh, oh, there's wine. Okay, wow, this is starting great, you know. Then it's, uh, then they have karpas, you know, a little bit of vegetable. It's like, okay, it's appetizing. Wedding my appetite. Right, wedding appetite, and it's not going to be something. And then it drags on with the manish sipur. It's waiting and waiting hours, you know. It's going on. Finally, they get to the dinner. They say, it's time to eat. And it's a cracker. It's like, oh, this cracker, this cardboard thing. And, and then they bring in maror. Oh, and, they, and they use the He's like, he gets out of it. Like, this is disgusting. I can't believe I came I here. I'm out of here. I'm not even Jewish and whatever. And he runs out. The next day, he sees the Jewish beggar, and he's like, how did you fool me? You sent me to this house, you know, with this, uh, you know, they, they sent, gave me cardboard, they made me sit for hours and made cardboard. And what did he say to him? If you had just yeah, waited yeah, five yeah. more minutes, you would have had the best meal of your life, but you were so, you know, you gave up. Yeah? There's a lot of truth, there's a lot of truth <laughs> in that, uh, in, you know, in that idea. No matter what your, let's say, no matter what your, no matter what your uh, uh, premises are, right? No matter what your premises are, metaphysically, whether you're Hasidic or not, you can still say, hey, there's a lot of truth to that. There's a lot of truth to the idea that we give up too soon, right? We get frustrated with something, we, and it's a great metaphor. It's a great metaphor for the, and a great story to sort of crystallize that idea that we have a tendency to reach a certain point, get frustrated, and throw everything away rather than seeing it through. And who knows what would be around the next bend if we, if we saw it through. So I think there's, there's a nice lesson in there. Yeah, would you, let's say, for argument's sake, would you read a book of a person who's in Novedah with Azara? I think to, we do it all the time. To, to try to extract from that some positive message. Again, it's the same answer. Meaning, if I approach a book uh, uh, that is by somebody who has premises that are fundamentally different than mine, so I'm not looking to focus on that aspect of what they have to say. And you're not worried you're going to be but they might have by some point that it'll take you off track and 
and waste your time. I'll folk, you know, when I, I mean, I can't say that this will work for everybody, but I think that if a person is, is it depends what you're looking for. Let's say a Christian person writes a book about self-help. I'm just giving a, yeah. you know, something part of. They're not writing about what type of God you should believe in, you know, they're writing about self-help. And occasionally they bring in stuff about their religious beliefs. Okay, so I said, look, I'm not, this is not my religious, I'm not reading this book for religious edification. I'm reading it for tips on self-help and how to get my life together in an intelligent way. So I might still be able to gain from the person based on that. I don't have to look at the things that they say that are incorrect. But let's even take it to a different level. Let's talk about rabbis and write books because that's even more interesting. That's what I'm getting at. And let's even talk about, what? That's what I'm getting at. Oh, okay, go ahead. I know, it's like, what if the shita you think some of these ideas have gone so far off that they produced Yechiyah uh, Adonainu Elokei Neboreinus, right? So now, is there some, some flaw in the fundamental uh, um, writings that you should completely stay away from because well, it could potentially take you yeah, down a path? I, I, would have atten- I would probably assume and that a person who is that far disconnected from reality probably doesn't have that much to offer in any area of subject that I'm not getting. Like, it, they probably don't have that much to offer if they're already that far. But a person who, let's say, sometimes you'll read a book about Judaism, about Chumash, and you'll say, ah, this point, you know, is kind of weak, or this point is whatever, I don't know where they're going with it, or I don't know. And you can still gain a point here and a point there, and even somebody who, let's say, has fundamental... This person is not a Rambamist, they're a Rambanist. They they believe in Kabbalah, they bring Zohar every other page, they bring Rav Kuk. Yeah? Okay, so I, I'll read what Rav Cook says. If it makes sense, okay, very nice. If I don't think that it's so good, okay, I don't have to focus on that point. There might be a point on the next page is good. Mm-hmm. If a person is operating, seeking wisdom, seeking knowledge, and they have different premises or different influences than I do, they still might have hit on some very good points. Now, that doesn't necessarily mean that every book is equally worthwhile. If I see a person who has fundamental different, fundamentally different framework, and they're talking about something where the framework really, I think, is going to impact a lot about how they present it or what they see or what they focus on, then I probably won't gain much from that. And I know that from in advance, and I just won't read it. You know? And so, but, if, but those things, like if you're looking, if the person has a different framework, but what they're writing about is an area where they really might have something to say. Like, let's say Benny Lau. Like, I don't share a lot of his, let's say, premises about things. But when he writes about Tanakh, he can have great historical stuff that he brings to the table and great textual insights that he brings to the table. So when he starts saying stuff that come, comes from his framework, I just filter that out and I read the parts that I was looking to gain from reading it to, the begin, to begin with, which was about the text or about the historical part. You know, and I think that's how you have to approach in general. So that way you, now, in, if you really respect somebody, like the other question was, how can you really respect somebody and, and, uh, and still critically evaluate their work? If you really respect them, um, there's a Gemara, I think it's Rava, that says that, you know, after I die, you know, do you know this Gemara? I have to find where it is, but I can't remember because I have terrible memory, but there's a, there's a, a Gemara that's where Rava says, after I die, um, <coughs> if there's a Psaq of mine that you don't understand, don't follow it, but don't tear it up. Really? Right? Don't follow it because maybe I made a mistake and if I heard your objection, I would have retracted. You know, but don't throw it away because maybe if I had been there, I could answer your objection. Yeah. Right? I forget where the Gemara is, but it's a real Gemara. I'm not making it up. That, that it wouldn't make up. 
No, it's a, it's a Bali. I just don't remember where it is. You have to look it up. Okay, I'll find it for you and I'll send it in the chat when I have time. Um, but it's it's a Gemara. It's a Gemara in, in, I, I've seen it. It's in, it's in Bavli. I didn't see it anymore. Um, but kind of all the Bavli runs together in my mind sometimes. I forget where different things are. Because right, I do things simultaneously and then you forget where you saw it. Um, I'll find it for you. But if that's the Gemara. That's, that's, that's the way you have to approach it. Meaning the person says something. If they're a Chacham, you give them the benefit of the doubt. You really try to think into it. You say, maybe I didn't understand what they're saying. But right now, currently, I can't see that point. So I have to go with my own reasoning. I'm not going to throw it in the garbage because maybe they have a point and maybe in 10 years from now, a light bulb is going to go on and I'm going to realize, oh, I, I see what they're saying. Or maybe if they'd been here, they would have had a response that I don't see because I'm also a finite and limited person. But I have to go with my own mind. That's what Rabbi was saying to the Talmudim. Got to go with your own mind. Or like Rabbi Akiva Eger, when they asked Rabbi Akiva Eger, how come you don't study the Achronim? And what do you say? I am an Achron. Well, that's, you know, and that's, that's, that's the answer. I studied the Rishonim, but I'm an Achron. So why should I listen to another guy down the street who has a different opinion? I'll hear what he has to say, but he's not an authority. I have to go by my own mind. And that's the, that's the attitude of you know, somebody seeking the truth. So Rabbeinu Zerachia, one of my favorite Rishonim, in, the, in, his, in his introduction, he says the same thing. He says, look, even though I'm criticizing the riff... That's how you made your son's reference. Yeah. Did you, ever, did you ever read his introduction to, his, to the Balamora's introduction? No, Amazing. So good. And in there he says, first of all, he does scandalous things like he quotes Aristotle in his Hagdamat of the Talmud where Aristotle said, Plato, I put this in the chat many times before, you know, Plato and the truth. I love both of them. But I love the truth more. Right? And so, uh, even though Plato was his Rebbe, basically. And then he also says, you may think I'm being disrespectful by critiquing my teacher on all these different points. But no, I'm giving him the utmost respect because I'm thinking into everything he says and assuming that, it has, that there's depth to it, that he thought it through and it's worthy of critique. Being worthy of critique is already a level. Some idea, you hear it and you're just like, I'm not even going to start because it's not even worthy of critique. But the fact that I'm willing to engage and say, look, it's a different view. Here's why I disagree. Here's my critique of it. But I'm giving it, the res- I'm giving it respect by thinking into it, considering it, weighing it, looking at the different angles. And I still don't see it. That's how you respect the person. Not by mindlessly accepting what they, what they tell you, but by actually critically engaging. And a real chacham or a teacher or whoever, if you disagree with them, that's not going to bother them. As long as you try to understand what they have to say. And you give them the opportunity to argue their points or you hear out all the different perspectives and you have a different perspective and you're basing it also on substance, then there's no reason, unless it's a cult leader, that they should insist that you follow what they think against your own mind. Assuming you have all the same sources available, (coughs) assuming you're really listening to each other and you just have a different perspective. That's 100%, you know, that's how you respect, in my opinion different opinions. There are many people that are, including my own teachers and my own rabbis, that I respect tremendously. There's certain ideas they have that I don't understand. And I can ask them questions about it and hear their perspective. And I still don't see it the way that they see it. And I'll tell them my way. And they might not see it the way that I see it. But they're not going to say to me, you have to subordinate yourself to my, uh, what I insist is the the truth. And I'm obviously not going to say that to them because they're higher than me. 
let's say Mesilat Yisharim, where if you read Mesilat Yisharim, you just think he's some Litvak, you know, uh, Maimonidean. You never would think he's a Mikubal, more or less. And then, on this, at the, and then in his Kabbalistic works, the same systematic kind of thought. So I think the dichotomy of rationalist and, and like rationalism and mysticism is nonsensical. It's not, because it's too, it's actually comparing like apples and oranges. Because rational means a method. You understand? Everyone uses a rational method if they're one of the Chachmei Yisrael. Wow. I'm talking about a Shotet that's walking on the street. Okay? That's a method. Mystical versus non-mystical or Kabbalistic versus non-Kabbalistic is about content. What are the premises they use to approach the law? Understand what I'm saying? If I'm using the premises of the Kabbalah, the system of the Kabbalah to approach the Torah, I'm a Mikubah. If I'm not using them, then I'm, uh, I don't know, Rambam or uh, Radak, whoever. Whoever is this representative of that school. Understand what I'm saying? That's a content issue. That's like, what are your premises? Like, are you a quantum physicist? Or are you a... Uh, I don't know, Newtonian physicist, or are you, uh, whatever, it's a, it's a, what are my assumptions in studying the topic, exactly. right, or in psychology, are you a Freudian, yeah. are you a behaviorist, are you a uh, Rogerian, or whatever, whatever your, your, your framework is, right. right, but they're all rational in the sense that they're all studying the topic using logical, orderly thought, the Ramban is not irrational, the Ramchal is certainly not irrational. He, he, he teaches, literally has books on logic. But does, does one framework... <laughs> exactly. Yeah. That's a funny one. Does one framework take you away from uh, Yid Yachashem and one to Yid Yachashem? They all lead to the same... I'll show. have to let you know when I get there. <laughs> That's what my teacher said. I once said to him, because Ramchal has a book, Chokeru Mikubal, which is the debate between... I heard, the about, Mikubal. I heard about this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You, do you have it? Yeah. I would love to see I it. Have. Um, Did the Machon, and, Machon and, Chal, like they, they published it? I have, I have an older one. I I have, I've had it for a long time. I'd love to see it. But my, I asked, I asked well, so uh, which one, you know, obviously in the Ramchal, Mikubal's going to win. So, but you know, <laughs> the, the, the point is that how do you know which one is right? And he said, at this stage, we don't have to decide on that. When we get to the point where we need to know that, then we'll read it. Meaning... He didn't mean literally, but the point is, when you're studying the Torah, when you're studying Chumash, when you're studying Halakha, even when you're studying the fundamental ideas, there's really not that much, it doesn't matter a tremendous amount whether there is such a realm of Kabbalah in Sod, or there isn't such a realm of Kabbalah in Sod, because we're not entering into Sod, right? We're doing the Nigle right now. So like, even when we learned about Kiddush, for example, we talked about Kiddush HaRabah, and the Ramban brings a Kabbalistic idea, and the amazing thing, or when we talked about Ketoret, okay, as an example, and what I find in my travels, my, you know, whatever little bit that I learn, is that whenever there's a Kabbalistic idea, and I said this to you guys, whenever the Kabbalah points to something as being some idea, or the Ramban says there's a Sod, you can discover it in the Halakha. You can see that the Kiddush Rabbah has like a special status in the, in the realm of Halakha that that on a philosophical level, you could see what the Kabbalah is getting at, that it's assigning it a special meaning, or in the Ketorah that we learned about, you can see from its meaning within the, even in the Negle level of the, what the Ramchal calls Choker, that's what he calls it, Choker or Mikubal, so instead of using rationalist, Choker means somebody who investigates on their own, right? 
So it's a better term. It's too bad that we don't use that term instead of rationalism. It's so silly. So if, if, you, if you investigate Ketorah, you see, wow, there is a very deep significance about the relationship between human beings and God in the idea of Ketorah. There is an idea about the Kedushah Shabbat in Kedushah Rabbah of the daytime that you could see why the, the Mikubalim were hinting that there's a deep meaning here. Okay? So it's not like they're in totally different realms. They're using different premises, different terminology. When you go into the realm of Sod, you'll discover whether, uh, whether, you know, whether the, the Kabbalah seems to be the way to uh, approach Sod or not. But in the meantime, we're not even close to that. So that's, you know, but that, that's what I'm saying. The methodology is rational. According, there's no such thing as an irrational rabbi. Oh, well, there is. I should do that. No such thing as an irrational chacham. Um, there's no such thing as irrational chacham and irrational rishon, irrational acharon. There's no such thing. What there is is different sets of premises in approaching the topic. And that's why I think the Ramchal's no, like, words are the best. Chokir means someone who investigates. Mikubal means someone who receives. You receive your premises from your Rebbe, and that's the Kabbalah, which you can only get if you're in the, in the Kabbalistic chain of, of receiving. Or Chokir, you investigate and define and, and, and discover the premises that you're going to operate with, with on your own. And um, somebody asked me, is the Rambam an elitist? You know, the Rambam, so everything intellectual, everything intellectual. You have to be so intellectual, you have to be so smart. I said, that's not the Rambam, that's Judaism. In Judaism, you have to be smart. Everything is Talmud, Torah, Keneget, Kulam. Everything is, right, everything is about Talmidei Chachamim are so great. Talmidei Chachamim this, Talmidei Chachamim that. Talmidei Chachamim, you have to honor them. Talmidei Chachamim, you have to help them. So it's like, it's Judaism says that people who are knowledgeable are on a higher level. It's not the Rambam. I said, in fact, if anything, the Mikubalim are more elitist. Okay, <laughs> why, why? Because the Rambam would say, yeah, you have to work really hard and you have to learn and become a Chacham. It's very hard. And Chachamim are superior to regular people. Okay? However, anybody can do it. If they put the time in, what does the Mikubal say? You could work your whole life from now to 120 years and you will never understand the real meaning of the Torah unless you received the keys from me. That's the most, you know, I'm not knocking them, I'm just saying that's actually the most elitist, not the Rambam. They're saying, unless you're in the circle and you were a Mikubal yourself, as the Ramban says in the prayer, I'm sure you've seen, in the, in the Haktam of the Torah, he says, if you are not a Mikubal who received the Kabbalah from a teacher before you, every time I say I'm about to say something Kabbalistic, skip it. You will not understand it. No matter Ramban says this? Ramban says it. Anytime I say al derech haimet, and I'm going to tell you sod, unless you receive the Kabbalah tradition from a teacher, do not even read it. Don't try to explain it. You will be wrong, no matter what. And therefore, what did Art Scroll do? Rabbi Arthur Scroll, Shlita, what did he do? They don't translate those parts of the Ramban in English. Wow. I didn't see that. Somebody told me. Yeah, but I trust them. Yeah, they said it's beyond the scope of this. Uh, but whenever he, whenever he says I'll also because they, they don't write anything Kabbalistic. It's not because of that. No. But it's because the Ram, they said in the thing because the Ramban said we shouldn't read mm-hmm. it if you're not a Mikubal and we're not and we're going to assume if you're a Mikubal you could probably read Hebrew, mm-hmm. so you won't need our translation. I don't know, even if I tried to, I never understand anything in Kabbalah that Ramban talks. Mm-hmm. He talks such hey, a, hey, what are you saying? He talks it. What is it? You should, have, you ever read, have you ever read Rakanati, Rakanati, Perush? He helps a little bit. He, he speaks such enigmatically. Uh, read the Rakanati. This is the sort of, this is the sort of, you know, 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 you know
<laughs> yeah, so in the new levush, the black ones, they have, and I forget which volume, if it's the, I don't remember which one, but they have in there, like, one the Rekanati Perush on the Ramban. Yeah, yeah. It's not really yeah, a Perush on the Ramban, it's Rekanati Perush, but, it's on, but he brings every Ramban of Sod and he explains it a little bit more, and they have footnotes in there, too. Wow. Yeah, I, can see. I have no question. Mm. Okay. He's probably getting ready to go. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah. Um, We're in the final final few minutes. It's a... Yeah. Last 15. Yeah. Uh, what time we have the recordings. Uh, did you get five? Oh, do you have any time? I can play it. Right before five. If the, if yeah. the like five more minutes. You want yeah, five 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 minutes. Minutes. Okay, last question. Last question. Yeah. Okay, last question from Rabbi. Um, I, I mentioned to you before also about like, um, I guess my personal, uh, uh, like, I guess questions that I had. Um, like, like the Rambam is supposed to be general and how I relate yeah, to it and I feel like a lot of it was um, yeah. predicated on misunderstanding I would want to know like how like what would you respond or what would the what would the Chachamim who follow um, the Rambam's approach respond to like like the Zanagon's famous uh, uh, attack uh, and you're right there. Famous There's a there's a long. We could probably pull it up on it's here. Not, it's in, in, a, in a, I know where it is. It's in your idea. Right you want to cook on Ted? What was your question? How would Kuvers? Yeah. Like how would the how would the how would the yeah? Where he says the Rambam never understood true. The the unadult the uncensored one. It's very harsh. The uncensored. No, no. You have to. Is this who's saying that one? What is it? Kuvayin. No, no, no. Don't look at that. Look More at, harsh like the Rambam. Yeah, yeah. In 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 the Chodah Borazaram, Perikud Aleph, and Chalafayud Aleph. In the Rambam? The uh, the Gra, the Gra, they they have the Gra, they have the Gra's comment. Uh, they have the uncensored one, the uncensored one there. Really? Is there a Frankel? Is there a Frankel? No, we don't. Rated R? I don't know. Is there a Rated R? He says. Uh, every time he says he says because the, the. Oh wait, you know what? I, I could probably find it in the Rambam here. It probably has the comment. Yeah. It might have it. Because uh, what do you call it? No, you can find it in Safari. No, because yeah, Rambam. So the printers of the Shulchan Aruch were in Vilna, were masculine. So they toned down, they censored some of the, yeah. the attacks of the Rambam. Which Allah is it again? Prayer Aleph. Where he says it? He says it in Yonada? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So the way I have it in mind, remember that. So that's what I remember. So, yeah. I don't think I have it then. Yeah, I don't see it. You looking at Safari or something? You mean the printers of Shulchan Aruch with Hilmagon commentary? Yeah, exactly. They, they, they water like down. Owen basically like trashes the Rambam and says he didn't understand like about Shadi and they didn't believe in that, that, uh, that, you know, uh, incantations work. Lora, uh, I forget what he says. We can at least get the censored oh, version. That I, where is that again? Kufayin. 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 Yeah. I think maybe, uh... Wait, so it's an obligation to believe in Shidi? Or is that like... Ah. But there's the Gara talks about it? How do we even believe in Shidi? I don't know. Bacteria? Uh, Go find Ted? Go find Ted. There's... And then the chicken... Bacteria that's on. Yeah, because the Shulchan also says, like, I Right? I don't know why that one's not. Right? And then he says, he followed the Rambam. What's wrong? I remember that. No, no, no. He wasn't... No, it's Shulchan. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, because the Shulchan, Shulchan Aruch says, even though in Bo Mamash, blah, 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 
And then the uh, and then he says, yeah, the kamea filo shemot, right? And then where does he say? He says like doesn't it? I don't remember. I don't remember that. And then he says he followed the Rambam. The, ra- the Rambam. That's where the Rambam says. Oh. I don't think the, I don't remember the. I hope it's still working. I just flipped it around. Which halacha is it then? I think Simon Kuf Ayin Ted. I think uh, I thought it was halacha dalad. Maybe no. You don't have a shul. You don't have a shulchan aruch here, do they? Let me check. Oh, Maybe I'm Safari. I thought it was here. Let me see, yeah. let me see if I can find down the chat. One second. Let me do it. I can find. I can find it. I can find it. One second. One second. Oh, is Jacob? Hmm. He cool. He cool. Oh, code code. I'm just gonna open the ground. Hikula al kudkoda al kudkoda. What's up, Dr. Um, oh, I the Oh, here it is. He doesn't say it here. That's in the Rambam. Shafim, Veshemot, אבל כבר היכו אותו על קוד קודור, שהרי מצינו הרבה מעשיות בגמרא. אהההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההה
in the back, it has like all this back matter, you know, and it has yeah, Mevoat yeah. Talmud, Shel Shmuel Anagid. He that, was the Gaon from really, before the Rambam, the Ibn Ezra quotes him. Wow. He was one of the Gaonim. Okay, yeah. And he writes in there that we hold that uh, that uh, Agadot and Divrei Medusha and stuff like that, if you like it, you can accept it. If you don't like it, you don't have to accept it because anything that is not Halakha, you don't have to accept what the Chazal say if you don't agree with it. I think it's very you know who else says that? I'm going to really mess with your head right now. Are you sure? Do you want to know this? No, I was going to say that. Are you sure you're ready? Yes. You're ready. Ramban. Ramban? Yeah. Yes, I knew that. I knew that. I knew that. I knew that. It's the same thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, he says basically that the way I interpret it is that you don't have to accept all the relations of Chazam. You don't have to accept all the relations of Chazam. I mean, the way I understood that the meaning was that just like there are chilufay de'od when it comes to halakha, there are also chilufay de'od when it comes to halakha. Right, but in there there's no psaq, so therefore you're allowed to... I know, but you can't say whatever you want, though. I don't think the Rambam says you can say whatever you want. You can't say go either. He's just saying... You, can be- you can't believe whatever you want. Right, the no, Rambam is one of my 13 Ikarim. So he doesn't think you can believe anything you want either. He's just saying when it comes to the Pshita of the Rambam and the Rambam San and, and basically the, Ge'oni, the, Ge'oni, the Shita of the Ge'oni that the Rambam was... was you know, received is basically that in halachic matters, the words whatever psak Chazal said, that's it. That's it. In Agadah, it was a more free discussion. You could, you could, you could have different ideas, different philosophical ideas. Is a nazir good? Is a nazir bad? I don't know. There's no psak on whether a nazir is being a nazir is good or bad. Is a tanit good? Kola metane is you know is nikra chote. A uh, person says, no, it's good, he's a chassid. I do think, I do, I do think, I do think, though, there are certain... Or, 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 I'll give you another one. Is a bet neset more holy? Is a bet midrash. Uh, we, you know, uh, there are all kinds of philosophical disagreements, and some of them are halachic, and there has to be a psaq, some of them are not. And then there's no psaq, and the Rambam basically is saying that in the area of... I'll, t- I'll give you a simple one. Let's take the easiest one that I'm sure you're going to... Almost true. You're going to agree. Medical thing. Okay? The Rambam says, the Chazal were giving you medical advice based on the medicine of 2,000 years ago. If they were here today, they would tell you take a Tylenol and a Motrin and whatever. Right? So, I'm not going to... He was a doctor. You think the Ramban was prescribing the medicine of the... Uh, of, uh, he was also a doctor. He wasn't giving the medicine of, 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 of Masechet Shabbat. This is different though. This is different because in this case, you're saying, you're saying in some sense that you could basically... Besides, besides, I guess besides for the Munan, you could believe whatever you want, and you could say whatever you want without any strict confines of what's wrong or what's right. No, but he, 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 do you know what he would say? He would say the strict confines of the Yogimul Yogimul Meaning, if you want to interpret the psukim within the Yogimul so then you have a you have a leeway. And he says, and the Ramban says something interesting in Parashat Noach. He says, like, from the fact that Rashi interprets psukim in a way that is not in accordance with Chazal, you see from the, the Ramban says that you see from this that we're allowed to have an, our own opinion in terms of psukim, even if it's against Chazal, because Rashi did it. Yeah, I was mentioning it the other day, and so. I think that was the approach of most of the Sephardic Rishonim because they, they were influenced by the Gaonim. That in terms of interpreting Pshuto Shil Mikra, Agadot, Midrashim, they had their own minds as long as it was within the framework of the Yud Gimel Ikarim. And the, uh, 
the, to go to the other extreme that everything is literal and everything you have to accept. So then you have to accept that the Mikoshesh Etzim was five different people because there are five different interpretations. Or you have to accept that Eov lived at six different periods of time because in Masechet Tabavavatra there are six, or it might be more than six, I don't remember. You know, different interpretations about when he lived. So they obviously can't all be true. So, so if, if, if Chazal were concerned and even did come, You know, actually, Yabar Benel says it. Yabar Benel says I mean, the, the, Abar Benel says, because Chazal argue about when certain stories were written or who wrote them in Baba Batra, that shows you that they weren't really sure, yeah. right? And therefore, I can assign the authorship of the different story to whoever I think. As he says in the beginning, in his in, introduction to, in Tanakh, to Navi, to Sefer Yoshua, Abar Benel says that. Yeah. So that was like the Sephardic mentality, pretty much. And, you know, which was, if Chazal are showing you that this is an area of speculation, where there's a lot of speculation. And you can also speculate. So they also speculate, it's not going to influence my religious uh, practice at all. That was their theory. But like, I guess, let's answer. So let's say, let's, let's take a specific example. Right? Okay. Like, like the Rabbi Raj giving here. So if Chazal uh, were concerned of the danger of changing, understood them in a literal way and even gave... I guess practical advice. I don't. I don't know if you call it. Halachic. I mean, some say practical. Be, practical. You. I don't know if you would call it halachic. I don't know. Yeah, practical. Yeah. yeah practical. So, so. Um, so what does it mean? Right. So exactly. Yeah. So how would the? Um, so how can you now come and say it doesn't exist? That's the your question. Yeah. So I guess you would respond is that the true Chazal did right. believe in it, but so, I'm not obligated to believe right, in it because it's not part of the religion. There's no part of the religion believe in Shadim. Where, where where does it say thou shalt believe in Shadim in the Torah? Is it one of the 613? He'll just say that was what they believed. Just like they also believed that uh, I don't know that that when a woman gives it, it gives birth, the dam nida becomes milk, or whatever whatever they thought. That's how they thought that it worked. Right. That's not literal. Oh, it says don't worship the Baal. Obviously, they believed the Baal was real because it says Baal. They said don't worship the Baal. Rabbi Ben Chaim said something like that. Something where it says something about don't worship Elohim Achirim. He's like, oh, I guess they believed that Elohim Achirim was real. Right? So it's like, it says, oh, don't, lo yelecha Elohim achirim. Oh, I guess that means that they, they, have, they, they exist. So like, just because they believed in Shadim, they also believed in a lot of other things about the external world that may or may not be true, but that's not a religious belief. It was just their belief about, that everyone else had too. I mean, it's not a Jewish belief. I mean, if you ask the Goy, if you ask the Goy in the times of, if you ask the Goy, who lived in the times of Chadal 2,000 years ago, are there Shadim? Of course. Shadim. So it's not a Jewish idea. It's just something everybody believed. It'd be like today, is there gravity? Yes. Then someone will come along and the Grah will write, if you don't believe in gravity, you're a kofir baika. Why? Because the Gemara said there's gravity. Okay, but the, gra- the fact that there's, there's gravity, they're just observing that there's, there's gravity. Some, there's some Agadon where, 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 there are Agadon where, where they came, where Chachamim came in contact with Shadim. Okay, fine. I, I don't know what those like, the Rambam has an explanation of those agadot. Like, he just says that a shed just means like a birion, a stranger. Or, yeah, it doesn't. It, it like Rav Papa. Okay, so Rav Papa had a shed that was working for him in Masechet Cholin. If it's in with some, that's a whole Ashmedai one. Yeah, complicated. If it's in with some Gemara, doesn't fit in with other Gemara, like saying these. Things I know. Like, I'm just you know. you know a lot of the Rishonim said basically like yeah the hardest Gemarot are not the ones where they talk about Shadim. The hardest ones where they describe talking to Shadim because then what are they talking? About? Yeah, it's insane. They, right? they they believe there are some worlds. Some I think they believed in Shadim also. Yeah. I don't think that that's a belief of Judaism. I it's agree. Just what everybody I agree. Believes. Are you not because if you don't believe Shadim? Right. Why? Why? Right. Why? But why? what bothered me? I tell you this. And this is where I've said this. What I've said, I've said all the time. I really think it's so I met. 
He said that, that the, 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 the halakha tells us what you're, not, what you're allowed to do, what you're not allowed to do. His agadah tells us what you're allowed to think, what you're not allowed to think. I think there has to be limits about what interpretation... But everyone agrees there are limits. Everyone agrees there are limits. That's not a question. There have to be limits. You're right. But like, the limits but, are you dealing with... Like, when, you say, like, when you say like, oh, I, I, I don't, like when it comes to I don't, like, okay, I don't have to believe, I don't want to believe in. You're devaluing the... the, the I don't think anybody who says God. that is, is, is really Amar. But that's because, what... Because but, you, that's what, but when, when you hear... When I heard no, this... No, when you could either accept it or you don't have to accept it. This is the Ramban says. I think that... That's, that's very difficult. No, because understand. the point is that... It's, it's like demoting. You can't demote it. You have to study it and you have to understand it. You have to see it came from Chachamim. Yeah. Which is how do you take it? Literally or not take it literally. Like you were saying don't believe yeah, it at all. Because you take it literally or not, there's definitely some chuchmah there. Now, now you have to dig and find out where the chuchmah right, is. Even the Ramchal says there's depth. You don't just look at the yeah. surface and say, oh, or, the, or the maral has a lot of it, you know? Yeah. You don't just say, uh, I take, if, you, if the literal meaning, I can't accept this, so I'm just going to throw it up because it must be nonsense. Nobody says that. Nobody would say that. No, but and what, I, I guess I mean, it's a phraseology. And like, like not like when every... When people say like, oh, you could, you could, when it comes to Al-Akha, you have to listen to Chachamim, and when it comes to Agadah, you don't have to accept I wouldn't, I wouldn't say that. I wouldn't put it that way. I would say when it comes to Al-Akha, whatever the conclusions are of the Gemara, you, you're obligated to accept. You're bound by it. You're bound by it. Okay. Okay? When it comes to Agadah, okay, there's no psak, meaning... There are different Agadot, there are different Midrashim, there are different perspectives. There's no, fi- it's an ongoing kind of a, a, a phenomenon. It doesn't have a final ruling that affects your life. So therefore you have to study it, you have to understand it, you have to see the different opinions, appreciate the different opinions, but there's no final answer. Like I have to hold Rebbe Akiva's Midrash on this. No, 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 you have to, I, want, I have to hold Meaning Rebbe Meaning we can Akiva. conclude two different things. Right. You, you, so, no, you, so it's an that, open, that I would say it's open. That it's that an that open that field. Yeah. That doesn't mean it's open that anything goes. You can't just dismiss Chazal, so, so but Ramban, then you're being a fool. So, so, so Rambam did subscribe to the Kamal Shedim in some, in so some Ramban, sense. Rambam, he just Ramban. interprets it metaphorically. He says it, it, it's a real thing, it's just that they were using that to describe... Is that what you respond to the girl? Is that what you would respond I say, to I, whenever it says that they were interacting with a Shed, I'll say that it means a person that was a low-level low person. That's probably what he would say. It doesn't. Oh, it doesn't the Meiri also. It doesn't, it doesn't you know the Meiri also talks about. It doesn't fit. Yeah, yeah. It doesn't fit with all of them. Though. Like, like, like the Gemara Chagiga like gives like vivid descriptions of like how, what they were, what they characters. But, but, were, but like, even I know. But even 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 if you even if they describe that, it's not a Jewish belief. Like you're making belief in what Shadim are like part of the religion. It was just what you know. They they definitely thought about she, that Shadim existed. They described the Shadim. They also described the way that the sun and the moon operate, and the way that the stars and how the sun passes through underneath the earth and it goes into a sheath and it comes. Whatever they say, okay. So all of those things that they describe, they're just describing according to the way everybody understood it back then. That, does, that doesn't make that a belief of Judaism. That's just what they perceive. So like mm-hmm. part of their scientific understanding was that they were Shadim. Now, you know, what, they may have sometimes used it as a metaphor, sometimes used it literally, depending on the context. But it's not a, meaning, it's not a religion, it's not part of the religion, Shadim. I understand the issue of saying Chazal just said something nonsense would be very, very disturbing. And I agree, and I wouldn't accept that. But that they that everything they said about the world that even if it's not related to Jewish belief I have to assume it's true I wouldn't say that either. What I would say is when it comes to agadot maybe when it comes to agadot it's not that you shouldn't weigh them and study them and understand it 
It's just that you don't, there's no psak on, there's no psak on it. You're leaving? I'm not doing, I'm not just leaving. There's no psak, there's no psak halacha with regard to Agadah. There's no final answer with regard to That's all. All right, we better stop because.